I'm Stuart Brand. This seminar about long-term thinking is brought to you by the Long Now Foundation. If you would like to see high-quality videos of the talks in the series, including this one, they are available online for Long Now members at longnow.org. Hi, Ken. Hi, welcome. Nice glasses. Why are you not wearing them? Well, I, I, I will put them on if it turns out I need to refer to my notes. I, uh, I was very interested also in what you've been doing, your projects, and uh, it seems to me that it's not just about art. I noticed that you're investigating the natural world there in these places, and, and why, why have that dualism at the Christensen Fund, and, w and what's important to you to think about it in terms of that and culture? Um, we, um, we think that one of the... Um, you know, one of the uh, consequences of that Cartesian division um, were, was um, most of the kind of problems we face in, uh, in the world today right now. And that uh, what, what we, one of the things that we as a global society are doing are trying to put things back together and develop a, a kind of a unified understanding of, of the planet, of diversity and so on and so forth. So that if we can be thinking in an integrated way where we don't separate biology and culture and and so on, but instead see them as a more integrated whole, then we're probably going to tackle many of the kinds of, of fundamental problems that we've, we have found. So um, we tend to be more comfortable with languages of creativity than languages of art. And so um, in our work with people that we might call, say, creative practitioners, mm -hmm. they might be a farmer, say, but what they're doing playing around with, you know, germplasm or playing around with the, um, the structure of their land might actually be, in some ways, what an artist might also... There are elements of creativity, parallel elements of creativity. So, uh, and they may, you know, many of the farmers we work with also turn out to be, you know, musicians and all the rest of it. Um, but, you know, they've been... We, we don't come and look at them in this partitioned kind of a way. We try to look at them as a whole person who's engaging with constructing their world and changing their world and really deploying a creativity that builds on a solid body of kind of experience as, as an artist would, but in this case as a, as a farmer or as the manager of a sacred forest which has an aesthetic, a biological, a, a physical, a, an ethereal component and they're, and they're playing with that and we're interested with the people who the people who can lift and manage that in a in a in a in a holistic kind of a way this this sort of holistic approach uh, i've been hearing a lot today about science trickling down to people or art or science and it seems to me that there's this problem that that we have right now uh, that's part of this turmoil that John is mentioning that's something about um, I mean certainly science is this epistemology that has these functions but I wonder about this way of living where we we slice things up where we have art and science and it, it comes from this way or that way and it seems to me that what you're referring to is a different way of of grabbing a whole bunch of different ways of knowing and just utilizing them as a, a citizen or a person. And you're looking for other models maybe elsewhere to bring back here to this kind of dual. 
this culture that likes to talk in binaries, and maybe binaries isn't always so good. Maybe it's great for a clock, but not for us. I think even, you know, uh, when you actually talk to scientists outside of a, you know, in the right, in, in the right kind of context, you know, they don't have particularly a different view uh, about on, on creativity and so on. I think that, and likewise, if you talk to artists in all of these areas, there is um, there are kinds of discipline and there are kinds of learning, and then there are then there's creativity. I think what we haven't got in the, so so actually, I think what's going on isn't is actually, and what people are feeling is actually much smarter and much more holistic. It's just we haven't got a language to discuss it in our institutions. I think that's the problem. So you think things are better, not worse? Things are a little better. They are better. Um, I mean, it depends on what time scale we're talking about. But, you know, um, things are a lot better than the 1950s, you know? Um, you know? Uh, I think so. Yes, they are better, and they're getting better. But we have to develop a new, langu a new language which enables institutions to be comfortable. We've got to get out of our... Um, entanglement in the in the disciplines you know as really an 18th 19th century um, notion um, and uh, we've gotten ourselves fossilized in them because of the way we've structured our universities primarily and the university funding mechanisms and it's really uh, tangling us up because their ration you know their rationale really has disappeared I mean uh, that is, are there really ideas that we have in one, in one area of the social sciences which don't flow across all of those ideas? Is it really true that we're using different methodologies in these different disciplines? Um, I mean, first of all, we've had, you know, the biologists are using what the chemists used to use and the chemists are using what the physicists used to use, but they're still defending that, no, no, this is physics, this is chemistry, whatever. All of this is known, it's obvious, uh, but we just haven't found a way to spring out of it and we need to find a way to spring out of it. And when we do, I think not only will we um, find that we're even more effective at using, at using um, science in a more integrated way and have to better uh, able to deal with complexity and the multidimensional reality, but I think also we'll create a society which has um, a much greater um, capacity for self self-direction and self-awareness and uh, I think that'll be a good thing too <laughs> and I think artists are working on this as hard as scientists are working on it I think that the idea that artists are no longer engaging in the same discourse as scientists is also much less the case uh, in the copy of nature from last week that's in my purse there's an article in there about um, uh, do-it-yourself biologists and there's a lot of speculation in there about whether or not uh, these people that are doing this, building their own labs, and I know that uh, Ken has an exhibition about art about this too, so I hope we can talk about this too, but um, there's this big discussion, will they ever, will they do anything meaningful? Will these, will these people who are in these labs do any real science? Will they, um, will they ask the right questions? Will they, um, how will this contribute? Contribute, of course. It's this, you know, it's lovely that they're getting in, and and it creates good citizens and all of this. But but there's a, a probably maybe a healthy skepticism. I don't know, but it seems to be this creative act that 
looks a lot like artists or looks a lot like hobbyists. It looks a lot like makers of things, an artisanal idea. What do you think about that? Um, I, I, th I think that uh, we will find that some of them, by, because of brilliance or good luck or whatever, uh, will do the next big things. And I think that's always been the case. Um, I think that one of the most surprising thing for me was I was expecting to see a significant rise in citizen science and I was expecting them to use the web and I was expecting that we would have much, we would be having much more intelligent discussions about almost everything and I thought this was a good thing um, because you know I think that um, it's important to take debate around ideas outside of institutions and I'm very worried obviously about the private sector's control of of ideas. But one of the really striking things to me or disappointments to me is that as yet we haven't gotten very far on that. And if you actually look on the web for citizen science debate, you know, you get into well, climate change. You get into all of this kind of stuff. Um, you don't tend to get into a debate where, uh, you know, which is really taking things forward. But I think that may that may that may go you know that what what we've seen in the what we've seen in the last decade may not may not be a portent for the future we may we may begin to see increasing increasing space on the web um, where people are able to debate unconstrained uh, unconstrained and actually interested more interested in truth well i think there's a couple of things the term citizen science is kind of it feels like a made up thing and is is suspect to me anyway. Mm. And I think that there may be this assumption that everything is, well, first of all, science, as we know it, isn't really very old in the age of human experience. And so perhaps we should be a little more patient about that. Um, but also I think there's great reason to be optimistic about people doing things. It's just not happening maybe where you expect it. There's, I know there's a... Um, biologist working up in Oregon or Washington and she's working in in prisons with prisoners to do mycology and observations and investigations because these gentlemen have to spend a great deal of time in isolation or in in this incarcerated condition and uh, and so they, they make great observers of Michael a mushroom of fungi change and in fact, as a result of things like that, these one of these people I understand is now going on to get, you know, going through the the typical academic world of of getting, you know, at least a bachelor's in in biology. There's another group of people who are, uh, I think, recording certain kinds of the change in the biological climate change and in uh, a rare plant up in the Oregon forest, and that's because there are people that usually hunt them or, or collect them to, uh, to sell illegally, but certain biologists know that they have a very specific and strong knowledge, and so now there are these kinds of collaborations. Yeah. And they're beginning to ask questions now. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. it's, it's got to go from sort of scientists deciding what the important question is in this sort of idea that I heard of 
trickle down to something more osmotic, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Well, yes, if you, I mean, uh, if you only allow th um, idea generation in one direction, all you can do is add a decimal point to a measure you already wanted. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we do a lot of work in this area. We do a lot of work with um, indigenous knowledge holders who live, you know, in close proximity to, you know, the variables in their world. And they live in societies where they don't think someone else is responsible for knowing what's happening. Because we live in a society where we tend to think someone else is going to measure anything. There's no need for us to know what's happening. Someone else is going to tell us what the temperature is or how much rainfall or whether something's safe to eat. But they don't live in a society like that. They hold this, this responsible. So, you know, needless to say, and you'll, you know, you'll have always you know, heard this a thousand times, it is unbelievably extraordinary how closely and how skillfully people, you know, and with what discipline people measure, um, uh, people measure events. And, uh, and how valuable that is and how, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm a scientist and um, uh, when I started to do field work on this, I was absolutely just, you know, just stunned. You know, I would do some massive statistical analysis of rainfall and it would come out within about 1% of what old people would tell me about the the dates and times of, you know, it was like, shit, you know, how could this be possible? Um, um, so that, you know, that, that, is, that, is, that has been happening, but we still have a sort of a filter where basically every time science discovers something, then you'll hear that, well, and, you know, and here's the backup is that locals, know, you know, knew it too. But right. if locals try to say something, before that has been discovered. I mean, there was a species of fish in this African river that I, I worked on once, about 400 miles from the sea. So the fisherman told me that there was a kind of a fish, and they would describe this weird thing on its stomach, and I don't know what. And um, my, this is when I was doing my doctoral work. My doctoral supervisor said, this has to be mythical. What are you going on about? I said, no, they're telling me it's not mythical. Anyway, it turned out that it was a sea fish that actually migrated upriver and, and yes, it did indeed feed through a stomach on its mouth that it would fix onto it. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, <laughs> there was, there's a lot out there in the world which you, doesn't seem to be very likely at the time. And uh, sorting it all out, um, having, being open enough to all the different realities is quite complicated. But yeah. we need to do that because what we have not, you know, what we're only now really getting, means, uh, you know, uh, to, build, to build our Western science, we had to, we had to develop the reductive method. Mm -hmm. But now our problem was we got, we got very good at the dimensions of the universe that, uh, that are not the, the middle dimensions of the, you know, we got really good on very tiny time frames and very long time frames. We can be quite predictive about that and really tiny spatial and really massive spatial time frames. And those are the ones we probed with our science. And we found it much more difficult to deal with them the, because it was too complex the middle time frames, understanding what happens in a landscape rather than what happens on a tiny patch of land, what happens over generations rather than on a short period of time. But most of our problems as a, as a society are now in that time frame. And that's where we're going to have to find ways of dealing, of dealing with other forms of knowledge which have, uh, have you know, proven much more... They've had to be much more concerned with those effects. I mean, I'm not very interested in what indigenous thinkers might have to say at you know, 10 to the minus 5 meters right. times spatial frames. But I'll tell you that they will be better than, than I am on a landscape level time frame. That's quite some time. So that's where I'm really interested. 
um, at, at how we can explore methodologies for understanding that 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 those diverse complex processes that are happening on those spatial and temporal time frames. And, and how do you imagine utilizing those kinds of knowledge in in our setting? I mean, I, I worry sometimes about uh, sort of just borrowing the surface of a culture. It's sort of like, uh, you know, everybody's afraid of, of uh, genetically modified foods, which I don't know is necessarily fear, but, you know, it's like you can't take just one thing maybe out of a culture and plop it into another and expect it to be like the cure for the for our problems or can you what do you think you know you, you don't achieve system change by um, you know by planning what the one thing if you added it was going to have the right result um, that's not how things work um, you have to be both more experimental, but you also have to to think uh, about the whole dynamics of something. Um, so you know the idea. Well, you know it's all part of our it's all part of our culture. You know, I mean the um, um, you know when a Western person goes to this, goes to visit a sacred mountain, they'll have a spiritual experience within the first <laughs> few hours. You know. <laughs> The local guys saying saying that well, usually we get one of those every twenty years, but you know, <laughs> you guys from California are pretty quick. Uh, so you know, sometimes we we think about we think that too. We think that it's possible to solve you know incredibly complicated questions, scientific or otherwise, really rather easily and rather quickly. I don't I don't think that's the case. Um, you know, I've been I've been studying one particular society. In, in Africa now for, for 25 years and I, you know I find I was majorly wrong about something you know regularly well what are some of those things you were wrong about what are some of those assumptions or uh, things that you've disproved for yourself well I've been fascinated with about why the why the big reductions in child mortality and um Work, you know, 25 years ago, I was one of the, the people who was really stunned by the, the degree to which maternal education was correlated with, with declining mortality. Um, and that still shows up in this sample, but it shows up much less than it did 25 years ago. And I'm beginning to realize how many other variables I wasn't seeing under the surface. Um, so it's more complicated than you thought. Everything is a little right? more complicated than you thought. Yeah. Um, never, be, never be convinced by a statistical correlation. <laughs> so um, we didn't get to talk enough about the creative process in art and its relationship to science yes your no. side. well maybe we can talk about that a little bit uh, next one this seminar about long term thinking was brought to you by the Long Now Foundation Thanks to Fora TV, you can see high-quality videos of the talks online by joining Long Now as a member at longnow.org. Thank you for listening. I'm Stuart Brand.